Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's up, everybody? Cannell and Bell. That's Raja Bell. I'm Tommy Tran in for Danny Cannell, who's uh, en route to Beth Page Black. Yeah. Nice thing um, for him. He's yeah. out to the master. That guy lives the life, out, man. Right? Like, I don't, you know, they send, I, I get to go later. I'm like a red-eyed in New York. They don't even exist. Danny's first class up there, kick, man. kick his feet up. He's DK, ready to go. living life. All right, so <laughs> let's go from uh, DK to KD. So Kevin Durant, as we get ready for game one of the Western Conference Finals, the Blazers are there, the Warriors are there. We know that Kevin Durant will not play in game one of the series because of that strain right calf and – you know, whether Steve Kerr was, you know, reporters were trying to talk to him. He's like, look, he hasn't even been walking around. Right. He hasn't even been doing anything on top of the Boogie Cousins stuff. Stop asking me questions. He's not going to be back. What does it tell you, obviously, and you've had experiences before with that calf injury? Yeah, it just they were being very vague up front and, and kind of, you know, not giving anyone a real good timeline on purpose. Clearly, when you have a calf and it's not a grade one, it's probably somewhere around a grade two strain. He's going to be out. I would imagine he misses game two. And they'll probably play it by result after that, right? Like if, if they can continue to get him rest, um, and he's at like 75%, I would imagine they rest him. I mean, if he's at 60%, you're not going to see him because you know, you roll back out there, you take the wrong step or you try to jump. And, um, you know, the interesting thing about that injury when I had it, Tommy, was for me to get back on the court, I had to perform this dot drill where, you know, they have five dots, uh, on the floor. And on my bad leg, I had to hop around in a different different series of, of, of moves to show them that I could use the calf. Well, the thing with that is it's scripted. So I can protect that calf with, you know, the other muscles or figure out how to jump around on that leg to protect, mm. you know, the muscle. When you're playing the spontaneous, like, movement, it, it, that's the one that you can't protect it from. And that's when you can re-injure it or injure it even further. And so while he's at 60, 70%, I don't think you see him at all. Once he gets over 75 to 80%, it's going to be result-based. If they can continue to rest him because they're winning, right. they got some wins in the bank, then you'll, you'll probably see him continue to rest. So what you're talking about here, because I've never had that injury, but like when you talk about being able to predict and maybe protect and then the uncertainty of not knowing what, what happens, like, can he overcompensate? Like I always comes to mind is Grand Hill, right, with the ankle injury. Now, different, it's a cat, sure. but, like, obviously Grand Hill had the ankle injury, then overcompensated, and obviously his career gets derailed. You can't have that the same with the calf or no? Yeah, I mean, there's always a kinetic chain, right? Most trainers will tell you, like, what they want to do is make sure that you're balanced. And anytime there's an imbalance in in a left versus right being stronger, mm-hmm. um, you have a chance to, to hurt something else because the body is one, you know, kinetic chain. Um so there wouldn't be any different with the calf. Like, yeah, if you were overcompensating in theory, uh, you, you could tweak something else. You might tweak a back. You might tweak a groin. You might tweak something else. But specifically to the calf, um, it, it's just it, – it's one of those muscles in basketball. is one of those sports where everything you do involves your legs. And he's so creative off the bounce, going to the rack – you know, shooting jays like you—you you just can't predict it. None of that is scripted. All of that is uh, is spontaneous movement, and it's off the cuff. And when you're dealing with a muscle that's partially torn, mm-hmm. um, it's almost impossible to do. It'll be interesting because the photo when they won Game Six, he was obviously up on his feet, kind of like this. You wonder if it took time, like hold up, let me get let me get ready here, right, right, right. take it, or or if it really was sort of a spontaneous thing from one of his uh, managers or friends right there. All right, so 
from what you saw in Game 6. So the funny thing was, Steve Kerr, you mentioned being vague, mentioned being kind of coy, wasn't releasing very much detail into the starting lineup on who was going to replace KD in the lineup. You know, we had our guy Reed Forgrave, who was at the Toyota Center, and he all afternoon getting ready. He's like, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. Well, we found out it was Andrew Bogut. So you got Draymond, Curry, Clay, and Iggy. It was like 2015 again. It was all OG, strength and numbers kind yeah. of thing right there. How do you anticipate Steve Kerr and that lineup tonight? Um, I really don't have a great feel for who they're going to start. Um, but I, I think that's less important. What I think is important is who are you going to rely on for production, right? Like, it doesn't really matter who you roll out there to start. But in game six, and you know, we were talking, uh, before the game and there were names that came up that I thought had to be, you know, players in that game. Yeah. Iggy was one of them. His point production had to go up. It did. Sean Livingston, who's been struggling a lot, had to come in and play big. He did. He gave you 11 off the bench. Uh, and then there were guys like Jonas Yurebko that would come in and, 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 and give you solid defensive and energy minutes. All of those guys have to be present and have to have value, uh, for them, for them to, to, to do what they hope to do against Portland. If, if you're, if you're only rolling out Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and to some degree a little bit of Andre Iguodala offensively, that's not enough. You're going to need supplement, uh, from, from those bench guys. And quite frankly, I, I don't trust them. You know, um, the good news for them is, you know, Portland kind of hangs their hat on two guys too. It's, it's right. Damian Lillard and, and, um, and C.J. McCollum. So maybe it'll be a four-guy show. I don't know. Yeah, Andrew Boga, by the way, did start but only played 12 minutes. Uh, Kavon Looney played 20 at another good game with 14 points. And to your point, correct. And uh, we saw Quinn Cook, which we may see again. So it, w- it was a, as a tactic in a one-game situation. I think Steve Kerr was trying to keep it close to the vest. And then he went old school. And I think one of the things from game six, too, is, you know, obviously Steph went over in the first half, but they were tied at halftime. I think – you know, if the Rockets had come out to like a 15, 20 point lead early in the game, they may have shut it down and said, let's go game seven. But I right. think since they were close, cause you and Rip also thought there might be a game seven, but sure. Houston laid the bed, right? And they didn't sure. do very well out there. And obviously uh, we'll talk about them in a little bit about them going home and staying home. Those, all those guys I mentioned too, it's interesting. I mean, they, they, I could make a case that they become a little better defensively when they get into that bench a little bit. You know, they got Kevon Looney out there and Jonas Jarebko comes in and, you know, there's some people out there that defensively, uh, may be a little better. Um, those guys haven't produced all year long. Now they haven't had the platform to do it, but they haven't, you know, they haven't had that consistent production. And so it scares me a little bit from Golden State's perspective. Who do you like tonight? I'm going to take Golden State at home. Not, you know what? Uh, I'm going to take Portland. What? I'm going to take Portland to come Cover out. to win. Uh, to win. Wow. Yeah. I don't know why. I got a feeling I'm going to go with you the Flyers. You really yeah, had a feeling. I don't know where it came from right I'll now. Take Portland just... to win. Yeah. Okay. So you think nothing Portland... to really back that up. Uh, Damian Lillard had a terrible series. Yeah. Um, against, against Denver. And I, I just don't believe that he's going to stay that quiet. I know what, what he does when he plays Steph. Those have been games that in the last couple of years I've always kind of tuned into. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I like to see that matchup and he usually is up for it. Um, I, I don't know. Steph and Clay's ultra hot in game six. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I gotta. Well, if you're Portland, you think with all the KD stuff, much like Houston in that series, you gotta probably steal one out of two before you get back to Rip City. Mm-hmm. And, uh, real quickly, CJ McCollum, my goodness, uh, had that Clay Thompson on the road in the postseason type game. What stood out to me was 17 of his 18 field goals all inside the three point line. Yeah. And, you know, I know analytically we talked about this. I mean, that's, that's taboo now, right? right. You know, one guy's doing that, but he is a throwback in terms of just being able to go. Get buckets. You give him the ball, you get out of his way, he's going to get a good shot up. Whether he makes it or not, he's going to find his spot on the floor. You don't see that that much anymore. Like guys like Kobe, 
um, you know, I don't know, MJ even, you know, they pick spots and they knew if they could get you to Rip Hamilton talks about it a lot. If he could get you to his spot, he felt like he had a really good shot to make, make a shot. Uh, and, and that's what CJ McCollum does as good mm-hmm. as anybody in the NBA. It doesn't have to be a three. Once he gets to his spots, He's as good as there is. Yeah, I think Mike Malone still has nightmares of those elbow jumpers. Yeah. CJ, uh, <laughs> in game seven. So, all right, we're getting ready for Portland and Golden State tonight. And again, this continues to get brought up about this Warriors dynasty. And for, for a brief moment, a lot of people were scared that Kevin Durant tore his Achilles because if that was going to be the case, right, that that could possibly be most likely the last game that Katie had ever played in a Warriors uniform. Now we're hearing, of course, with the strain cap that we may see him eventually in the series, but there's no guarantee he may re-aggravate it or something may happen down the road. And we've seen that the Warriors have been pretty vulnerable. How do you assess, you know, because when I look at it, it's like probably going to be the last run, win or lose. Is yeah. the same way? I don't know. I mean, the one thing I do know about the NBA is I don't predict it very well in terms of what guys are going to do, whether they're going to stay with their team or yeah. – they're gonna if they're gonna choose to go elsewhere. I like, you know, the old school of thought, the way we treated it. it, it this this new wave of player doesn't do that. So I, I really don't know. But what I will say to it is, you know, Kyrie thought the grass was gonna be greener, go out there and do it on his own. It, it didn't really work out like that for him. Now Kyrie and 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 Kevin Durant are two different, completely different players. But you know, Kevin Durant has a very good thing going there in 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 uh golden state they're moving to a new arena next year that place is going to be i mean i'm going to take my boys out just to go to a game there to say that i saw it right. it's supposed to be state-of-the-art fantastic probably the best arena in the league uh you've got probably the best supporting cast in the league they're going to throw the max at you they can give you more money than anyone else i'm not saying that he stays but man that's a really nice situation do you know what i mean and i know new york has an allure and Maybe some of the LA teams have have a draw, but you're gonna have to go there. You're gonna have to build it from scratch. Yeah, you might be able to pick your running mate, but I would still tell you they're probably not gonna be better than the ones that you got. Um, I'm not so sure he bounces. Now he may, but I'm not so sure that it's just a foregone conclusion. And just to flip that a little bit, because we showed the graphic of the Warriors contracts, it's funny because before the postseason, or really before that Rocket series, I would have said Draymond Green's got to be the guy to take a really big discount. Or possibly go because if you look at his number, I think it was like eighteen five on the left on a one year deal, and yet though that series he's balled out. He has really hit nearly those triple double numbers. Kind of seen like he he might not have had that Draymond Green game, but he certainly have had that series where he's that Swiss Army knife. He's taking right. the ball up, he's doing things. So that complicates things because you got you got to worry about paying Clay, you got to worry about paying Draymond, and then KD obviously he's going to want um, a little bit more money because he says he's taken a discount the last couple of years. So, you know, who knows to your point about what they're going to be able to do, but good problem to have when you got, uh, no doubt, you know, three or four of the best, uh, 15, 16 players on the planet. Um, speaking of best players on the planet, James Harden, we like to think he's a top five, top three type player. However, not that postseason success, especially with what happened I mean, when recently. Do, when does that start to like, but that's the thing affect. That conversation about whether he's San Antonio a few years ago, right? Golden State last year, Golden State this year, right? Like, mm-hmm. like how? Because you've been in the league a long time. Like, because it was funny. Let me, and we're taking a look at their results here. So let me, let me just not a half tangent, guys, back there, but just sort of. I put up a poll after the Rockets lost, right? Yep. Twitter poll. I said, and this actually involves one of your squads right here. So I said, best shoulda, woulda, coulda Western Conference team this century to not make the finals, and I put. I put the Rockets 16 to 18 team in there. Yep. Put the Suns 05 to 07, 08 team in there. 
Yeah. I put the Kings of 2000 to 2002 on there. And the poll came out and they said the Kings of 2002, but I'm interested in seeing what you thought about teams that are close that can't get over the hump. And they obviously had championship teams in front of them. Yeah, those were really good. Those those Kings team, from a pure talent perspective, um, were really, really loaded. Like, it's hard to argue that. Weber. Yeah, that you Bibby. had yeah, Bibby. You had uh, Asia, Peja. You do. Vlade. Correct. Jackson. Those teams Doug Christie. Um, we also had some really good teams. I mean, top-tier talent with, like, Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire. You know, they had Joe Johnson for a while, Sean Marion. Um, when you're talking about teams that, you know, would have – like, our teams – if we get by Dallas, and I don't mean to have this skewed to us, but what we did to 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 the Heat during that season, they just weren't built to play with us like that. Do you know what I mean? You're saying if you would have gotten there, if we would have gotten there six. We would have won that right. because they just couldn't keep up. Like Shaq was, and as great as he is, he was not going to be able to play in that kind of game. Um, but there's luck involved in every championship run, right? And so I don't really remember those Sacramento teams, but we ran into some really bad luck. And some of it we made ourselves. Some of it was circumstance with guys coming off the bench and suspensions and injuries and so on and so forth. Houston, the interesting thing about them to me is last year you could say you got the short end of the stick with the luck. Like that clearly Chris Paul going down, right. um, you know, didn't allow you guys to do what you want to do. This year, everything, nothing could have worked out better for you, right? right. Like they lose Boogie early. Mm-hmm. They turn around, they lose KD in the middle of the series. Like you have a golden opportunity. You're at home for game six, foregone conclusion, rip everybody else, myself, everybody, every prognosticator out there. Yes, they're going to win and go back to Oracle and, and you don't get that done. And so you don't get to say that you caught bad luck. This one is squarely on your shoulders. James Harden, Mike D'Antoni, who is my guy, but. You know, look, I got to call a spade a spade. They, they, they just didn't. They were not sharp. And you know, Mike can't go out there and play the game. And I wasn't there, so I can't really speak to the game plan. But they didn't look sharp in their execution of it, either offensively or defensively. And that you do have to blame on the coach. Um, and so, you know, I think both of those guys uh, have to really take the lion's share of the blame for what happened. So we're looking at numbers right now for those that are streaming Harden and elimination games, right? Seven and seven career and points per game. You're talking about twenty six seven, shooting forty percent, three percent, three point percentage, forty three better. And yet again, though, when you look Look at that. The numbers say one thing, but in reality, like Jeff Van Gundy said it after the game. He's like, numbers don't mean anything when you lose. No. I mean, we talk about Russell Westbrook all the time with his numbers. Now, eliminate the field goal percentage, right? Because Russ's field goal percentage this year was abysmal. But every other number was fantastic. Yeah. Looked good. Right? It right. did. It looked good. But did it did it translate into, into, the, into the type of wins that you would have expected out of that roster? Not necessarily. And I just I, – I, I, I like James Harden. Um it's fun to watch. I think him, Steph Curry, over the last you know seven or eight years, have kind of reinvented the way they teach basketball to young players right. and the way guys play it, and that's all cool. But I do think it's time for the conversation as to whether or not that style of play, um, if you build around it, can get you where you want to go, which is ultimately a championship. I think that's a fair conversation to have. Well, the owner certainly thinks, even after the loss, that they're going to have multiple, not one, multiple championships in Houston. Here's something interesting that I also want to bring up. Uh, I don't know if we did already, guys, but the contracts for the Rockets, we just did it with the Warriors there right. a second ago. And I'm not trying to say I'm defending James Harden here because some of the things that we're looking at, you know, Daryl Morey's built this team, built it on analytics. We, we shoot the three, we miss the three, it doesn't matter. We, we take them, we make them, we miss them, whatever. That Chris Paul at the top really should be highlighted because that is the biggest to me, the toughest thing, because CP3 is more like CP one and a half. Correct. We saw yes. that, we saw that, 
obviously the, the injury, it's easy to say injury last year that that was the injury, but this postseason he was not very good, and that contract. You can't move that. You can't move that, and you, you're not going to move that until the last year of that deal. If and so, and so, as good as complimentary pieces, like we all like PJ Tucker's game. We think Eric Gordon, obviously, and Clint Capella. You got to pay a big man. You got to have a big man. But like, does Harden have a number two? Does he have? Not what right you now. You need to win a title. Well, you know, the we're talking about how poorly he's playing. Chris Paul has declined for sure, and I was in that series. You know, it really. Woke me, woke me up to it because I had been lobbying for him to get the ball more and make it more like last year where you had a two-headed monster. Chris Paul just can't beat his man and he, can, and he can't make a bucket. So he, he is in, he is in, in, in decline. Um, but he was, he showed championship medal in game six, right? So when you needed him the most, he figured out a way to get it done. Uh, which, which, which is cool. The, here's the deal. And someone asked me the other day about the Rockets. What do you do with them? Do you blow them up? Right. Run it back. Right. Because here's your window. Is still open if Kevin Durant leaves Golden State. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? The Lakers, who knows if they figure it out. And then you're dealing with Denver and Portland and, and teams like that. So I don't think you have to blow it up. Like you got this core for at least another year before Eric Gordon is up. And Eric Gordon is your number two right now. For all intents and purposes, he's your number two. Yep. He's the guy that when they need buckets, they come off that bench, they get it to Eric Gordon. Run it back. Run the philosophy back. You know, it'll sort itself out as to whether or not Golden State remains this superpower or not. But they could be very vulnerable next year. You guys could be sitting there as the favorite, right? Uh, having suffered this, you know, catastrophic loss this year. So I, I would hold tight too if I was, if I was Houston and I was, uh, you know, Daryl Morey. Like, hey, why not? I, another thing though is I don't believe analytically that it has to be purely threes and twos. I, I, I think that it's affected the way James Harden plays the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, over the course of of, of a year. Um, he might be a, a more efficient scorer, uh, because of the three ball and, you know, his totals may be higher. But I think in, in big games, if they're just going to lock in on him and he has lost the ability to play in that mid range, right. it becomes easier to guard him. And, and I think the, the preaching of the, of that, of that analytic, uh, approach has affected his ability to create in the, in the mid range as a defender. If I know you're going all the way to the basket, I'll just ride you all the way on your hip to my big man. If I know all you're going to do is shoot a three-point step back, I'm crowding, 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 and that's why you see a lot of guys getting fouls with him shooting the three. You know what I mean? Um, but it's he's making them, but they're dude, those are so tough to make. Right. Right? If you can put me on my heels and back me up, back me up, and I think you might shoot a foul line, Jay, I mean, now as a defender – you're kind of dictating to me what we're going to do there. I think he's lost some of the ability to do that with but I think, analytics. But I think that's also a little bit tough when you view, if you're Daryl Moore, the analytic part of it because, and unfortunately, it's 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 a truth, right, of, of regular season basketball and playoff basketball where in the regular season you can get away, space in the floor. Harding gets to the line a little bit more during sure. the regular supplements season. supplements that. He's right. not getting it done. And then, like I said, when you looked at that contract list, who else can get a bucket by themselves? Yeah. Doesn't look like it. Uh, CP3 was that guy, and then Capella, Gordon, Tucker, they're all sort of the beneficiaries of James doing his thing. Normally in the regular season, if you can't do it in the postseason or late in games, yeah. it makes it a little bit tough, right? But anyways, uh, look, Austin Rivers, Stanwell House, I think those those could be some from free agent. And you're talking about you know, what group they have with Shumpert and Farid and the rest of them. Rivers played pretty well in the postseason in that series. Sure, yeah, State. he was good. And obviously with uh, the Daniel House and stuff like that. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrified. It's the feel-good movie of the year. Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Danny Canel on his way to the PGA. So Tommy Tran and Raja Bell hanging out with you on a Tuesday. Tonight in Chi-Town, it is the draft lottery, the ping-pong ball. So in years past, the mm-hmm. worst team, 25% chance. And then I think the second team was like 19-7 or some change. Now this year, for the first time ever, you got the bottom three all with the same odds. So 14% chance. And then the Bulls and Hawks there, of course, uh, right there, twelve and a half and ten and a half, and as you can see, it goes down each time. So we all think it's going to be Zion, right? There's no, I mean, no, no disrespect no to R.J. Barrett, no disrespect to John Morant. This is done. Uh, and, and look, I've I've been on record saying that I'm not sure that he will be the best pro of the bunch, but I would still take him number one. I think you have to do that, no matter where you are, whatever franchise you are. Um, if he is the best version of himself. Um, he could be franchise changing and you know he's going to come in and sell tickets and, and ignite, um, a, probably what's a relatively sleepy fan base already unless you go to New York. So. And everything that we've learned from Zion and nobody really knows him except for his teammates, his family and all that good stuff. But like, let's just say if it goes chocolate, it's the Knicks, Cavs or Suns, each of them with 14%. Who do you think if you are Zion, you say, I look at that situation. Maybe I look at that style. Although in Phoenix, you don't know yet. Obviously with Monty coming in town, who do you think Zion would say, man, I wouldn't mind going there? Um, the Cavs are out, so it becomes the Knicks. <laughs> Colin, sorry, Colin. The Cavs are out. Um, it would be the Knicks or the Suns for different reasons. The Knicks, if you want to be Billboard, Times Square, Big and Lights, potentially a big couple Apple. of big superstars might come join. Maybe. Yes, and that right, like you, you have that. Yeah. The Suns, if you want to go to a young nucleus um, of players that you think you might fit well with in, in Devin Booker, DeAndre, um, DeAndre Ayton, Ayton um, by the way. you know, a young coach in, in, in Monty. Like, but I think New York is probably, you know, the draw and the allure of New York, the, the max money that they'd have to get other guys right now. I think that would probably be the, the, the number one, but I could make a case for Phoenix also. The uh, time you spent in the Cavs front office, do you remember who you guys sent to the draft lottery that year? No, I didn't concern myself with the draft lottery that much. It's always a, it's always an interesting thing. I got the list right here. It's yeah. like so in terms of though James Borrego will be there for the Hornets head coach. Mm-hmm. Horace Grant's going to be there for the Bulls special advisor COO, but then Kyle Kuzma's going for the Lakers. Yo. Uh Zoe will be there for the Heat. Uh Alvin Gentry will be there for the Pels and then Patrick Ewing by the way, which I mentioned in the update for the Knicks. So, look, they got number 1 that year, probably hoping good juju that uh yeah. Ewing will be there and then I said uh, DeAndre Ayton will be there for the Suns as well. So, it's a kind of an eclectic group. There's a bunch of other people front office guys. Yeah, sometimes they send but, like uh like daughters yeah, of owners, yeah, like a kid and of an sons owner. of owners, right, right, right. Or the owners themselves. Or the owners, right. will be out there, so Never know. Uh, it'll be interesting to see there. All right, so as we continue, what's at stake? What about, um, so Zion clearly number one, then who's number two for you? John Morant? RJ Barrett? Yeah, I think some of that's going to depend on who gets the number two pick Mm -hmm. and what your makeup is. Um, 
you know, if you're the Suns and you wind up with number two, I'd probably go John Morant. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you ball handle, yeah. yeah, I I I think I like R.J. Barrett. I think R.J. Barrett has been the best player in that class for a long time. Um, we got reclassed, but he was the best player. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, at times at Duke this year, he was the one that stirred the drink. You know, I know Zion had all of the, the, the blocks and the dunks and all of that, but when you're talking about giving the ball to a guy and creating plays and stuff, I thought he did a really good job. So I think, I really do think he's got a really, really high ceiling as a pro. Um, you do. You think he has a high ceiling, not just because sometimes you go, he's the he's most NBA ready, but you actually think he's NBA ready, and then has the potential of, of yeah. Launching. I mean, because he hasn't sorted out his shot yet. He's a really gifted playmaker and passer. He's a tough shot maker. Um, he's got a good frame. I, I think he could be really good. Um, and then John Moran is just an electrifying. You know, he's super skilled. I mean, he makes the his IQ is off the charts in the, some of the passes he makes, but then you can, you, you combine it with this, this ultra athletic playmaking style. So he's super exciting too, but that would be fit, like depending on what I needed at number two. All right. Speaking of the Knicks who could potentially land Zion Williamson when it's all said and done tonight, um, they have, I mentioned some opportunities of landing some big fish. We talk about KD, we talk about Kyrie, and then there used to be more conversation about Anthony Davis, maybe not so much anymore because of what's gone on in the whole situation there. But um, if you were the Knicks and an opportunity of having the first pick, is Anthony Davis worth the squeeze? Um, Yeah, it would be. Um, But I'd have to have some inclination of who else is coming, who would want to come and play if I got Anthony Davis. And believe me, those things are already discussed, right? So if we were to give up Zion to get AD, I know that I'm getting X and Y to go with. Z, right? Like, and so if that was good enough and the championship run was on because of that, I would gladly give up, uh, AD for Zion. Not saying that Zion won't be great, but you know what you're getting when you add AD and, and, and in theory, whatever other pieces you, you, you would be bringing in. And Zion is a crapshoot as all of them are, uh, coming out in the draft. You do not know what any of these guys are going to wind up being. Uh, you've got a proven entity in AD. Your window could be open right now if you're a Knicks fan or a Knicks, uh, employee. And that would be cool. All right, as as we take a look at some of the building blocks, looks obviously Kevin Knox just got there. They made uh, the Porzingis deal to get Dennis Smith Jr. And then there's uh, all the other. They all got to go. See ya. They all no. I mean, because if you do that, if you do the AD, yeah, if you do the AD with a couple other guys that are ready to go right now, mm-hmm. and they're not all going to go. You might keep one or two, but their their window isn't. They're not going Based to be able to that. help you in that quest for the championship right now. They'll just be chess pieces. They'll just be chess pieces, right? So speaking of Anthony Davis, uh, another team that's been linked for many months would be the Celtics. And they've got this crazy scenario, again, with how everything plays out with the lottery, that they could end up with four first-round picks. They could get um, you know, Sacramento's pick if it falls between 2 and 14. It would go to Philly, by the way, if it ends up being number one. And then the Grizzlies pick if it falls to 9 and 14. So, again, there's a lot of hypotheticals here. But um, given what the Celtics have just experienced in the postseason, given what we – thought we had which now we know does not work with Kyrie Irving and Tatum and Horton and Hayward and and Brown and Rozier. I mean you know the list goes on sure. and on and on and on and on you know they were in a position of power this time last year sure you're Danny Ainge now I'm not sure what I'm doing you know looking at things that the decisions that I have to make here if you were able to acquire some more of that draft capital what would your front office approach be um, you know, at this point, I'm listening, right? Like, if you're Danny and you've got p- p- 
potentially all these picks it'll sort itself out after tonight um, I'm just keeping all options open right I'm fielding as many calls um, as I can I want to hear what the what what you know what what the offers are I want to see what I can do um, I, m- m- their first priority there in Boston has to be what do we want to look like in terms of style of play next year how are, how are we going to approach the way we're going to play basketball next year? What, what, I'd be talking with Brad Stevens. Listen, let's cut through all of this stuff. Like, we're not talking to the media now. Did we have an issue with some of our pieces not fitting into the way we wanted to want to play? Or, or was it, you know, or was it not that? Because if it's that, then I got to go identify the pieces that can fit with that style of play and get rid of some of the ones. Now Kyrie might not want to play there anyway. This I was is Kyrie. Say, what if, but but you're talking about pieces, but what if your biggest piece, Kyrie Irving, is, was part of the problem? Well, there's not a whole lot you can do about that anyway because he's a free agent, right? So if you've identified that he's part of the problem, see ya. Yeah, I mean, what like, really? What are you going to do with that? If he don't want to come back, he's not coming back anyway. So now you got all this draft capital to go out, and I do think Brad Stevens is better with younger players. I, I think. When you've seen them be at their best, now Al Horford's different. He's a he's a veteran, um, knows how to play a role, can be a, a star from time to time, like really really good player. Um, but he doesn't have that like attitude, that that type of ego, that type of swag um, that could be in conflict with the coach. You know, he's more of the guy that keeps everybody together. He's the culture kind of guy. Um, I think Brad Stevens works. Well, with that, but if you get a guy in there that wants to do his own thing, he's got a little bit more of today's star edge to him. I don't know that Brad Stevens works great in that space. So, you know, he did a great job with Jason Tatum when he was young, Jalen Brown when he was young. Like that's when they were playing the Terry Rozier when he was young. They were playing their best ball there in more of a college, everybody for the team type of mentality. Um, you could, you know, in theory, recreate that. That's why at certain times, not this past postseason, but the one where Kyrie and Gordon were hurt that it was a little bit easier to buy sure. in, and then you run the six seven guys and you just run Brown and Tatum which by the way again 12 months ago Tatum was like untouchable you don't want to let him go it's like it's like do I want to let go of Tatum do I want to let go of Brown they were both really good now that they're almost devalued to a point where it's like well I can probably take up both if you want yeah I think both of them will have if you can if you can figure out how to get them back to the style of play that they were in I think they'll both look like they did before. I really do think there was a style clash there and it just kind of ground their whole offense to a halt. I don't know that you got to get rid of Gordon. Gordon didn't play great. Gordon, you know, the jury's out on whether or not Gordon comes back all the way to form. I tend to think that he will, but he's a Brad Stevens guy. Like Gordon, Gordon isn't the star and I spent a lot of time with Gordon. He was one of my rooks. Um, he, he is a really, really high level NBA player, but he doesn't wear that on his sleeve. He doesn't come with the same type of like baggage and, and stuff that some guys come with. And I'm not placing any blame on anybody. This is just a, a bunch of guys in the NBA that act like NBA guys. Gordon doesn't really do that. Gordon is a relatively humble dude, uh, works hard, can play in that type of style where the ball's moving and he can get off of it. So I don't know that you necessarily have to move on from that. Hey, golf fans. PGA Championship Week is here, and CBS Sports is bringing you coverage of the second major championship of the year that you can't find anywhere else. Canell and Bell will be on site this week at Beth Page Black and will be filling you in on all the biggest stories in the lead up to tee off and around the world of sports. On Saturday and Sunday, you can watch the tournament live stream in the CBS Sports mobile app and on CBSSports.com totally for free. You also got to check out CBS Sports HQ, the free streaming sports network that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, delivering you news, highlights and in-depth analysis. 
Danny and I will be there with our golf expert, Kyle Porter, to bring you updates on the leaderboard, the pairings to watch, special guests, and of course, what's going on with Tiger Woods. So tune in to watch us on HQ every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. It's all available for free with CBS Sports. You don't have to pay for a subscription or have a cable package. It's just free, for real. Download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, or Apple TV to start watching today. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Tommy Tran and Raja Bell with you. The Sixers uh, working on their press conference this morning. Brett Brown going to stay as the head coach. Let me just read something here from management. Quote, they're fueled, they're ready to grow, and their commitment to a championship is even greater now. Those are the words of general manager Elton Brand. So let's start with Brown before we get to Joel Embiid, and it's the notion that his job was somewhat in jeopardy. And I think if conversations that I've had with people that are either Sixers fans or people that are really close to that situation, like say that Brett Brown's not a good in-game tactician guy, that he's not a good you know, upper echelon type coach, not maybe not highly regarded as, as sort of Brad Stevens is, and, and maybe that he's been around because he's part of the process, obviously, in the rebuild there. Yeah. Um, what do you think about him staying in Philly? How's, what's the most successful Boston's been in the last couple of years? The Celtics? Yeah. So they, so they got to the Eastern Conference final last okay. year. And then, so for the Sixers, back to back, Semifinal. All right. I mean, is that appreciably better? No. No. So, like, I, to them, I would say, um, look, he's an NBA coach. Whether he's a top five NBA coach or not, um, I don't know. But he's gotten his team to consistently get better, right? And even when they weren't very good, they were playing hard. That means something. When That means, you know, that there's buy-in. From the players, um, there's a culture that you've established. There's a trust and a respect level that the players have for you. If you can continue to go out there with really no weapons and have those guys playing hard, and then when you get the weapons, you've consistently gotten better. This year was going to be challenging for Coach Brown because of the pieces they brought in. I think that fans, to some degree, look at the addition of Jimmy Butler, the addition of Tobias Harris, the addition of Mike Scott, um, and say, oh, man, that makes his job easier. Eh, makes his job harder. Makes it harder because now you have to figure out what you do to that offense um, uh, to make sure that everybody can live and flourish uh, in, in what you're doing, right? And they've got skill sets that don't necessarily complement each other. So I'm on here as a Monday morning quarterback yelling and screaming about, you know, as everybody else is, Joel Embiid getting on the block. Joel Embiid getting on the block. Well, you got Ben Simmons who's on the block. And if you play him anywhere else out there on the floor – his guy's not going out there to guard him. So you put him on the block where, where he can be a threat and he can offensive rebound and do stuff like that. That means Joel Embiid can't re- really post up. There's no room for him down there. So those are the challenges that Brett Brown, you know, faces. And then, so what do you do? Like, you're going to tell me you, know, you got to get, you got to get Ben Simmons off the floor. Right. Well, he's going to get crucified if he does that. Do you know what I mean? So I, I said from the beginning, um, uh, uh, around the trade deadline when all this stuff went down, it's going to be difficult for them to get it together this year. Now, as a franchise, they have to figure out, you know, what pieces stay, what pieces go. And if they come into camp next year and they don't make any major moves, mm-hmm. judge them off of that. Judge them off of what they do when they've got that whole season to kind of figure it out. So they'll have the off season to kind of figure out who stays, who goes, and then they'll start fresh. By the way, a couple guys who may not be on the roster next year, J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler. Butler saying Coach Brown has a huge heart. He's always thinking of how he can make everybody great. 
JJ saying this last two years has been as good as I've had in my career. Of course, uh, potentially, again, JJ might not be able to come back. So, and then you mentioned Joel Embiid. So he was also addressing Brett Brown before this morning, talking about the rumors of his coach and, and the blame. He said, quote, I take it all. You can put this loss on me. You can put it all on me. Don't just put it on the coach or anybody else. I love when you guys or anybody else talk bleep. I see it all, end quote. And again, we saw him take on Kawhi at that game-winning shot, the emotion that he showed after, and apparently he's been off social media uh, since then. So, you know, that's one of your stars, obviously one of the two corner pieces that you know are going to be a part of your future, although down the road you may have to part with one of them right now. But, you know, Joel Embiid I thought was, you know, he struggled at times, obviously, and Marcus Gasol had a lot to do with it, but I think that's what you want to see out of one of your cornerstone players. Yeah, I liked what he said um, in protecting his coach and putting putting the onus on him to have won that series. If you're the guy, that should be your approach. You know, I don't love that, you know, he's a, I love when you guys or anybody else is talking. Like, you know, again, those are rabbit ears for me, right? Like, you don't have to say that. You can say the first part without having to say the second part. You know what I mean? Like, and that speaks to the, the kind of the maturity issue that I think he deals with sometimes. I, I do think that that series will help him on his quest to mature as a player and on his quest to ultimately win a championship. He'll learn, he, he, well, he should have learned a lot. And then probably as he goes over it in the summer and there's a little time and he can watch some of those games, he'll see, you know, some of the stuff that he might not have been able to see in the moment and that will help him grow. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fantastic player. They have to figure out how to either compliment him or Ben Simmons. You know, I know that you're not going to trade either one of those guys. I, I got it. Like that's, they're your prized possessions. I feel you. I don't know how well. I don't know that either one of them can reach their ceiling as a player or the team that they lead reach their ceiling as a team if you have them playing together all the time because they do have unique skill sets, both of them. They don't complement each other very well, you know? And so, you know, you got to figure out what you're going to do if you're Philly. They're flawed. And to your point, you just laid out sort of the the flaws for Simmons does not allow – Embiid to to be there, and his sort of three point shooting is better than Simmons is shooting, which is not saying a lot. Right, but he's not pure enough as a three That's point shooter yeah. to really compliment Ben, right. and so and you can't do those head fakes that he does all the time. You know, at the top of the key, right. the three point line, and get to the rim right there. So, uh, wait and see, uh, wait to see is what our David Sampson would like to always say, uh, using our baseball guy with a basketball topic. So let's move from basketball to football. Yep. So all these NFL mini camps, you had 11 start two weeks ago. You had 21 over this past weekend. So obviously some guys are going to look real good and some guys are going to pop and, and people are going to be talking about the hype. One of them is Mr. Dwayne Haskins. His head coach, Jay Gruden, called it, quote, a treat to watch Haskins throw. He said he made some throws that turn your head without a doubt and says there will be a, a open quarterback competition. Of course, Case Keenum and Colt McCoy currently reside on that uh, Redskins roster. So Look, I don't know. I guess you should be patting yourself on the back because you drafted the guy and he looked good like he threw. I mean, what else are you going to say? I, yeah, I mean, I, like, this is <laughs> kind of laughable. But I, I look. I it's, guess it's, it's positive reaffirmation. I mean, it's, it's reaffirmation. Right? They in what helmets and and they're not even no pads. Right. It's just helmets and, and jerseys. Yeah. Um, I would hope that any quarterback that was drafted in the first round would look fantastic in that space. You know, like it. It, it was always. You know, when I came into the league, you played summer league, and this is kind of summer league-ish, right? Summer league, man, every rookie feels good in summer league. You, it's basically college glorified, right? And then you get to preseason, and it's a step up, and you're like, uh-oh, 
wait, this is a little different than than what I played in last, which was which was summer league. And then you think you're once you get your feet under you in preseason, you're like, I got this. This is gonna be a breeze. Then you get into regular season, you're like, uh oh, this is nothing like preseason. This is even faster, and the guys are playing harder, and so. Everybody's going to look great in minicamp. At least they should if they were number one pick. The test is, you know, once they get to once they get to real camp and the playbook starts getting a little deeper and they start seeing live defenses. Then in preseason, you know, they, there there are hurdles that you have to get over for these guys. And you want, you know, at, at each checkpoint you have to you have to pass. And right now, you know, this is the easiest one. So I would expect that they all pass the test right now in minicamp. They should if they were first picks. Right. And other quarterbacks include obviously Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones. So the situations in Arizona and New York. Tommy, if anybody comes out with their franchise quarterback, their first round pick as a quarterback and says, mm, uh-oh, well, didn't no. look great. Yeah, that's why I was going to take a We shot. got a problem. So, so give me, like, like, did you ever have that in the NBA where, cause you were going to have an influx of new blood every single year. A guy that either popped or was so disappointing when, when he got to your first interaction with him and like maybe he came in with too much hype or maybe he didn't come up with enough hype and there was all of a sudden it, it kind of blew you either way. You're like, man, this person was way different than I thought. Um, I think, no, I mean, I, you know, first round picks usually they come in and your first, you're going to see them in summer league first, right? So your first impression of them is usually going to be good. First round pick gets dropped in a summer league. He should look like first round pick. Even if he doesn't, if it doesn't translate to the games right. in your workouts as, as a pre, as a summer league squad, he should look good. Most of them did. Do you know what I mean? I don't recall there being a guy where I was like, man, he's a lot better than I thought he was or, or he's not very good. Like, um, not, not as, not as a, a draft pick. Okay. Yeah, it's always a little interesting. And in basketball, too, there's always those good stories of guys undrafted. Like, I remember because I, I had a Fresno State, I covered Tyler Johnson, who ended up going with the Heat. Yeah. Summer League, he, he tore it up, and he blew it up. And obviously, you know, didn't make, he, he slipped through the cracks of the draft, and then he comes out. He's the best dude in Summer League and obviously cashed in on a big contract. Ultimately, he's had a pretty good career so far. Yeah, there, there are guys, though, that, you know, will jump up and surprise you that, that in summer league that you didn't see coming. They weren't necessarily draft picks, but they'll pop up. I, I was probably one of those guys. I came out of CBA. I won, uh, uh, MVP of the Boston summer league. Nobody knew who I was. You know what I mean? Like I, they gave me the ball. I scored a bunch of points. Everybody was, um, they're guys that'll look great in summer league though. Then when you take them to like mini camp, I was one of those guys also mm. like look great. San Antonio signed me off of like four summer league games and came to me and said, Hey, listen, we're going to offer you a contract, but we're going to shut you down. This is what I told me Alvin Gentry said this to me. We're going to shut you down because we can't have you out here in summer league, getting yourself a multi-year deal from somebody else. So we're going to sign you, but we're going to really limit your minutes now in summer league. He so they have told you that told me that shut me down in summer league, right? They paid me though. They got me to camp. I was not nearly what they thought I was going to be. I just, you know, the size of, of Tim Duncan, David Robinson, the speed, you know, of Avery Johnson, Sean Elliott, those guys, it was chewing me up. It wasn't the same animal as Summer League, so they didn't wind up keeping me. So there are plenty of those guys that look great in Summer League, and then there are a few guys that will pop up and, and they look good in Summer League, and then they wind up making your team and being really good pros. Welcome back to Canell and Bell. I just want to let you know about Sportsline, everybody. Sportsline's model has nailed four majors entering the weekend. It was all over Tiger Woods' deep run at last year's PGA Championship, even though he was just a 25-1 to long shot. Visit Sportsline.com. Click on PGA Championship to see our picks for this year's major. Again, it starts Thursday. Use the promo code SWING to get your first month of picks for only a dollar. And it's not just golf. It's basketball. It's hockey. 
It's baseball, all of that stuff uh, that Sportsline does with all of its computer models, projections, and expert picks, all for a dollar for your first month. Again, Sportsline.com. Use the promo code SWING. SWING. A SWING. All right, so Joe Flacco saying it's not my job to groom Drew Locke. And, you know, stop me if you heard this before. you got a veteran quarterback, Super Bowl-winning quarterback. He's on a new team, though. And they drafted a guy out of college with the second, you know, their second pick or the second round of their draft mm-hmm. right now. So, look, look, he said, I listen, I have so many things to worry about. I'm trying to go out there and play good football. I'm trying to go out there and play the best football of my life. And, again, he's just coming from a situation where he was just basically had – his job taken over by Lamar Correct. Jackson. So if you're Joe Flacco and you, you know you've been in a position where you've been a veteran before, although not it's not apples apples because not directly your spot, but right. you know if you're Flacco, that's what you got to do. You got to have that vet chip on your shoulder. Stop asking me questions about whether it's my job to groom. It's not my job. Nope. Now, you know you could. There's a way to navigate that. I guess he's just sick and tired of hearing it, which I would be too if I just got ran out of one place for a rookie quarterback, right? But you know what you say is, look, if if the, if the young fella can learn. If I can go out there and lead by example and he learns things from me and how to be a professional from watching the way I work and the way I compete, uh, then I will have done my job. And and that's one way to, to answer that question. Another way is to basically do what he did, which is to say, stop asking me questions. It's not my job to, drew, to groom Drew Locke. And it isn't his job. He's there to compete, man. That man's not, you know, in his mind facing an, an impending uh, retirement. He's trying to be a professional quarterback and get paid for years to come. And so... You know, I I kind of approach that the same way. Like, look, that ain't my job, man. I'm here to compete and be the best me I can be and help this team be the best team it can be. Right. My job is not to groom a quarterback. At least I haven't been told that. If if and when that becomes my job, hopefully someone in the front office will tell me that. But as of right now, my job is to play quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Dude, the thing is, obviously, you know, DK's going and asking about that football dynamic, but it's like he's going to be asked about this every single day, no matter what, because even when – you know, let's just say we had an interview with Joe Flacco here on CBS Sports HQ. We have to ask him. He'll answer the same thing. But then the yeah. next day, you got other local Denver people coming through. Then you got other beat writers coming through. You got other columnists coming through. Most, you most, got the ones from Colorado Springs. You got some dudes from Casper, Wyoming that need to come down and cover you. So. Look, most of those dudes have publicists though, right? Like that you have to go through to get the interview with them. Like they're not just doing. Well, but if open. they go to, but if they go to camp and they go to, to, to media availability eventually, I mean, you're right. So, yeah, but you're, it's listen, you know what I would do? I would, I would have my press, like whoever, whoever handles this, I said, listen, man, with all due respect, like I'm not going to be answering that question every day, right? Like I'm not I'm not going to do it. So, if you guys want to ask me other questions, I'll answer them. I maybe I'll address that one time. It's a blanket statement regarding it. I've already said my piece on it. Mm-hmm. Now ask me other questions, but I'm not going to be asked a- answering whether I'm here to groom Drew Lock or not it's, every day. It's, it's not happened happen. before though that uh, you know, obviously we've talked about Russell Wilson who just got paid. He came into a situation with Matt Flynn won the starting job. I covered Derek Carr. He came in and Matt Schaub was the veteran out in Oakland and he won the job as a second round pick. So Joe Flacco's got enough to worry about answering questions about that. And he needs to play well. It's not a given that he's going to be the guy. If somehow Drew Locke lights it up. There's a possibility that he No, can. there's a possibility. But, Those two names that you mentioned though, I believe Joe Flacco's a notch above them. The, like, the guy, the incumbent guy, the, the, Matt Flynn. Yeah, yeah, I think he's a notch. Joe Flacco's a notch above them for me. So I, I, I wouldn't envision a scenario right now in which Drew Locke's going to beat him out in camp. Now, whether if Joe Flacco comes out the gates, they stumble, he's not playing well, the team's not responding to his leadership, blah, 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 blah. You want to roll Joe, Drew Locke out there? 
I can see that potentially happening, but I don't know that he's beating Joe Flacco out in, in camp. All right, we got about a minute left to go. It's going to be Oakland versus one of Oakland's own. It's going to be the Warriors against Dane oh, Lillard. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, That's bro. the homecoming. Dane, you didn't Dane, even know that. You still Dane Lillard is going off tonight at Oracle. It's going down. Oh, he went to Oakland High and Damian Lillard. Dude, him and CJ from Lehigh and Weber State, the two smallest schools you can think of. Yeah. Um, for both of them balling out. It, look, so. for, for Golden State, and it, 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 being at home helps the dilemma that you have with the role players because they typically play better at home. Um, they have to get the support for those two guys. You know, yeah, they can, they've proven it. They can carry you, but when they were carrying you, you were getting more help from the bench than they currently have. That those guys stepped up in game six in, in, in Houston. They have to continue to do that for the performances that Steph and Clay are more than likely going to have yep. to result in wins. Forget about the Battle of the Bastards. It's going to be the Battle of the Backcourts out of the East Bay. There you go. Ten Game seconds. Last... Game of Thrones? Up or no? All right. Yes no. or no? You tell me because I've already won on record. I you liked, did? I what, liked it what? on Sunday. Okay. Cinematography. Look. That, that was dope. What about the store? Like, are we going anywhere or are we just? Just gloss over. Okay. See you. All right. Well, see you guys from Beth Page.